here at the beginning of a new chapter in the life of the church and the beginning of a new series, uh, Letters to Leaders. And so over the next few weeks, we will be together in the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And so uh, these three books are not often talked about much, but we're going to delve in and, and see what God has to teach us out of these three books. The title of the series is Letter to Leaders, and I hope that will be made evident why that is the title here in just a few minutes by the time we finish up today. But if you have your Bibles, however you get your Bibles, whether that's electronically or in book form... Uh, go ahead and take them out and open them. If you don't have a Bible, grab the one in the seat back in front of you and uh, open that. You can look in the little, I forgot to get the page number, but I want you to move to Titus chapter 2. But Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. For the great, this is Paul speaking to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Everybody say, all people. Does that include you? Does that include me? Does that include everybody outside these walls? Okay, good. Just make sure we're on the same page. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Right here, right now. This present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, these are affectionately called in scholarly circles the pastoral epistles. Now, don't let that throw you. Uh, Epistle is just a fancy word for letter. So this is a letter to pastors, but pastors are what? Pastors are leaders who are training new followers of Jesus. So this is why we're calling letters to leaders, but it's more than just, this is not just Pastor Jeff preaching to Pastor Kyle or to myself. There is something in here for all of us because we are called to train leaders like yourself. And so we want to look into this. We're, they, we are called to train new followers, or Titus was called to train new followers to live what they believe. Now I know that can, that can seem pretty fancy, but we're called to live out what you believe about God. In other words, our lives are called to model out in our behaviors, in the ways we operate at, at our jobs, in school, with each other, in our families. They should model God's graciousness. I know I put grace up there, but there is something about graciousness. And we're going to look at what Titus was called to do here in this church that we'll see here in just a minute. And so I want us to begin to look at this. I love what Dr. Tim Mackey says about Christianity. He says the gospel, that means the good news about Jesus, must prove itself in the public square. This is not just a private religion between you and Jesus. 
That this must prove itself in the public square. Christianity, he says, is compelling when it looks culturally similar. We have families, we live in homes, we do our jobs, you go to school, you, you wear clothes, and you, you know, do all the normal things that everybody else does. But, there's one difference. It's based on a different value system and devoted to a different God. This is important. This is where Christianity thrives. This is where we succeed. So, we need to look, if this is true, then we need to look at the culture that surrounded the church that Titus was being sent to by Paul. And, it was the island of Crete. island of Crete is still there today. And there it is. In Paul's day and age, it was, it still is, in the middle of the Mediterranean, and there were many beautiful ports. You can kind of see a little bit of that. Well, let's see if I can get that to... Well, that's not working. So we have right around here and here, and there's a protected port here and here, and down on this side and this side. And so people built cities, and they would have a good midway point to stop, gather up things, and move on. And Paul said, that's a center of commerce. That's a center where people are coming and going and moving into the great cities around Europe and in northern Africa. And so he said that would be a great place for churches. And so Paul made his way there and he started a bunch of house churches. And then he, had, he was called somewhere else. Things got a little off course with lack of leadership. And so Paul is now sending Titus here. But let's look at the culture of what was going on here. The island of Crete had great ports. Paul began those house churches, but the culture around in the city of Crete, they believed and they bragged about that they were the birthplace of Zeus. Yes, that Zeus. The, the one you learn about in Greek mythology. And he was called Zeus the seducer. Zeus would lie, if you read any of the stories in mythology, you would find out that he would change form to get what he wants, he would lie about who he was, he would tell lies, and he would do whatever he could to get his way, all the way to the top of the pantheon of the gods of Greek mythology. And the Cretans lived up to this example, or down to it, as the case may be. Cretans followed this example. In fact, the Greek word for liar is kretezo. <laughs> Sounds like what? Cretan. Exactly. Cretan, liar. It's kind of like Ohio State involved in scandal. You know? Involved in scandals. Just They just tend to follow. Or cheating, Patriots, Belichick just tends to get right in there. You know? Oh, Ed's not here today. It's just one of those things. Cretans were known for lying, cheating, doing anything they could to get their own way. And it was into this culture, it was into this culture that Titus is called, that Paul sends him. Titus must teach new Cretan followers of Jesus to live in this culture with different values. And devoted to a different God. And this God is the one who looks and loves like Jesus did. That's a tall order, is it not? And so, he moved in. This is why Paul starts his letter to Titus like this. Flip over one page in your Bible. Keep where you were. But go back to chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 1. And I want you to see how Paul begins the letter to Titus. He's like, we, we've got we've to look at the culture and we've got to address it with different values because we serve a different God. He starts out his letter to Titus by saying, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect. Now, don't let that throw you. God's elect would be the church, the new follow Cretan followers of Jesus. And Paul was saying he was called to further their knowledge of what? The truth. They're in a culture that loves to lie, sees power in lying. Paul says, I want to further their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not what? Lie. Promised before the beginning of time, which now at His appointed season He has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. So Titus was to teach about God. A God who does not lie to get His way, but empties Himself in order to show the way. He has promised eternal life. That is life, not just a ticket to heaven. It is life that is so strong and full and leads to benefit for you and others around you that nothing can rob you of it, including your last breath. It is, it is something that, as we read earlier, begins now and lasts forever. That's what I mean by eternal. It begins now. It is here in this moment and this time. And this leads to godliness. Now, unfortunately, that word has a lot of baggage. I want to make sure you understand, it is godliness, not self-righteousness. I want you to know that what godliness means is it means exhibiting the behaviors that look like the God that Jesus showed us. It means exhibiting the behaviors of Jesus in your life, in this place, in this age, now. So let's take a moment. I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big order, isn't it? Let's look at the behaviors of Jesus. Because I think sometimes we get confused and think it's just about believing that Jesus was God's Son. That's part of it. But we are called through the power of the Holy Spirit to see the behaviors of Jesus lived out in your life, in my life, in our life as a church together. So some of those behaviors of Jesus were what? He loved the outsider. He wasn't afraid. He didn't keep them out. He went to Samaritans. He, he joked and laughed with a Syrophoenician woman and healed her daughter. Um, he called everyone to Himself, not just those that were closest to Him. He was accused of eating and drinking with those that society deemed unfit. He went to the mentally unwell and He was with them, not afraid of them, and He healed them. He endured the criticism of being called a glutton and a drunkard because of who He associated with. He forgave His enemies, even the ones that were nailing Him to a cross. He called ordinary people, not just the smart uh, intellectual types. He respected women. He respected children. He called them to be a part of them and He blessed them. And He was willing to die to include everyone. In other words, now we're back to our passage. Titus 2, 11-15. Turn there one more time. Paul says that what Jesus modeled was the grace of God. 
in all those behaviors, all those things, and so many more that we listed right there, we saw our gracious God. The one that Jesus called Father. The one that He had come from in order to show us exactly what this God was all about. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, that is Jesus, that offers salvation to just a few, or how many? All people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Here's the difference. It brings about godliness, allows us to say no to ungodliness. So godliness is exhibiting the behaviors of Jesus, who is exhibiting the behaviors of God, what God looks like, Ungodliness is just to live life on life's terms. To live just like the surrounding culture. To live just like everybody else. You just grab it and you take it all for yourself. Do you want to look at it in this way? Paul says, worldliness or or, uh, ungodliness is grabbing all you can for yourself. Godliness that looks like Jesus is the one who did not regard equality with God as something to be grabbed for himself. But he emptied himself. And we are called, you and I are called, to live not grabbing for ourselves, but releasing in order to bless others. To say no to godliness and worldly passions. Can I just pause here for a second? Because the emphasis should be on worldly, not on passions. And I think we in the church have sometimes focused that all passions are worldly. Can I say that your passions for life, your passions for your spouse, those are not worldly passions. Worldly passions are when you want to use those things you're passionate about only for yourself and you're grabbing them. But when you want to bless and when you want to love and when you want to let go and you want to... Let all that God has blessed you, those things that you're passionate about, when you want to use them to bless others, that's good. That's beautiful. That's where art is created. That's where relationships deepen. That's where people are are good with their kids and pass on what they have learned. That is good. So it's not passions that we're getting rid of. It's worldly passions. Passions that cause me to want to just grab all I can for myself. To live, yes, self-controlled. Upright. Now that word upright kind of feels stiff, doesn't it? I don't know about you. Think about upright. If somebody was here, let's go ahead. Let's try this. Everybody, sit upright, please. Teachers do that. Teachers are going to do that in your class, right? Sit upright. You feel kind of stiff and staunch. And my shirt is overstarched. But that word is actually the word dikaios. It means righteous. It means right-related with God and with others. So, yeah, it is upright because people will see you. If, if you're in good relationship with someone, you long to see them, right? You long to be in their presence. You want, you want to hang out with them. You want to have fun and, and be together. And when you know they're connected to God, it adds that layer of I just, there's something about, I want to be with them together. That's upright. And godly lives, we've already talked about, in this present age. I want you to know, we believe as a denomination and as a church, that this is not just an example to strive for and fail and fail and fail. But that the God who calls us is faithful to help us live self-controlled, upright, righteous, and godly lives in this present age. It's not a pipe dream. 
It's reality. And only He can do that in us. And then, yes, we wait, which is patience. It's not, again, like the Cretan culture grabbing all we can, but releasing and waiting for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us. There's the example. He didn't grasp all He could. He did what? He gave Himself for, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are very eager, of His very own, eager to do what is good. Now you may think, whew, I'm glad this is for you pastors. Ah, get off scot-free. You get to do all of this, right? You gotta, you gotta make sure you live upright and godly life. No! Don't forget! We, Pastor Kyle and I, we're called to lead you all into this. So that you all can learn that God will empower and enable you to lead in your lives. That you are called to live righteous, godly, upright, self-controlled lives that give and bless into your neighborhoods, into your families, into your schools, into your workplaces. God wants to empower us all to do this. And yes, we're to model this in example. We're to model this in our behaviors to see the behaviors of Jesus in us. We are called, you and I are called to wrestle with this. Now, if you want to back up in chapter 2 to verse 1, I want to look at these just very quickly with you. I want you to see, because this is how Paul thought Cretan Christians could be in their culture with different values and devoted to a different God. So look at it. It's going to seem strange because the Bible is an ancient document. You can't just get in a, you know, in Bill and Ted's phone booth and zip back to that time, and just be right at home, you would be totally out of place. And so Paul is writing to the family of a new Cretan Christian family, what they should look like. And so he says in verse 1, you, that's uh, the pastor, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, and sound. That means everything's working in the area of faith and love and constant faithfulness of endurance. Teach the older men to be temperate. That means negative influence. Literally, it means the negative influence of intoxicants. But figuratively, many scholars say, it also means the intoxicating drink of negativity. Ooh. Can I get it? I didn't get an amen from any of our older men here. Oh, when was the last time you were positive? Had something positive to say to your family? When was the last time your neighbors heard you saying something positive about the God you serve? When was the last time you said something positive about the church? Said something positive about why you enjoy being there? Said something positive to your spouse? I'm preaching now. Let me move on. Likewise, teach the older women... To be reverent in the way of life, not to be slanderers. Because why? They're Cretans. They're used to lying and slandering. He says, no, no, you're going to be indifferent. You're going to, you're going to be a, an elder woman. But we're not going to, we're not going to participate in that. Again, addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. In other words, you're going to pass on. He says, then you can urge younger women to love their husbands and children. 
so that they can be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husband. Put a note there. I'm going to come back to that in a second. So that no one will malign the Word of God. Now, I really hate the way the NIV then goes on. Similarly. As if it could be kind of like that, but less than for the guys. No, it is the same word as verse 3, likewise. In other words, in the same manner, encourage the young men to be self-controlled as well. So you could come right back to verse 4 and say, urge young men to love their wives and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, which means you have to be there occasionally, men, to be kind and to be subject to their wives so that no one will malign the Word of God. That word subject is hard for us because it feels like slaves, and we're going to talk about that in a second. I always deal with it in this manner. When I make myself subject to anyone, I place myself in a very vulnerable position, don't I? And so maybe it helps us in our 21st century to think when I am being subject to my wife, or she is being subject to me, The call is really to place yourself in an open, vulnerable position with one another. And there, we see what Jesus looks like. The one who made himself vulnerable to us, even to the point of death. That's the call. He goes on, and then he says a few words to to Paul. I'm not going to shy away from this. Verse 9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that every way they will be, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. This was Paul in Cretan culture. And Cretan culture had slaves as a part of the family. Some were paying off debt, some were indentured. Paul is not saying that slavery is good. Can I get an amen? In fact, it is some of the verses of Paul that were used directly by abolitionists to begin the process of saying there in Christ there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, but all are what? One in Christ Jesus. But Paul was saying we're in Cretan culture and this is a part of it. And if you find yourself to be a slave, this is how you live with different values and devote yourself to a different God while you wait for that release. This is a part. It's it's hard for us to hear this. But we are called to wrestle. And so you and I, you've heard these things. And some of these things still apply today in your life and in my life. But our question must constantly be, Are you ready? I want you to write this down. How can we, or if you want to make it more personal, then do that. How can I, as an American Christian, be in our culture? We're not calling you to go off and sequester yourself and just wear a white robe and sing psalms every day, all day long. How can I live in my culture with different values? And be devoted to a God who looks like Jesus. To show in my behavior how Jesus lived. And what I look like. What God looks like there. Again, look at these behaviors of Jesus. You may want to take out a a picture and take a snapshot of them. I'm sure there are a few others that I've forgotten. But you can begin to look at those things. Willing to die to include all. This is where we are called to live. 
I want you to know today, brothers and sisters, that Zeus is alive and well. I mean, you just read the newspaper, you'll see that. There are all kinds of lies floating around out there. There's all kinds of ways that manipulation in business or politics or even school systems can wrangle their way in. You and I are called to live in that culture. And that means that Pastor Kyle and I and any pastor who's here... We still have a job to do and Paul ends by saying that we must do this. So I still have to rebuke and you know me. I'm a therapist and I just love people and I hate rebuking. It's It's not something I naturally gravitate towards. But can I start with just a small example? Small example. Last week... We had our We Care Center here. We had a great performance. We had this place filled with people who were here. We had a great lunch and dinner. Now, if you were gone because you were on vacation or you were sick or you had planned something, awesome, great. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad to see you back. But if you woke up and said, nah, I'm not going because it's a kid's musical and I'm not really going to get anything out of that. Can I tell you that's not godliness? <laughs> that's Zeusliness. I'm making up a word. Because the God we serve, we remember if we're going to model that in our behavior, it's not about us. It's about being here and encouraging young moms and young dads and blessing kids like Pastor Phil said not too long ago. Sometimes you've got to be quick. Bless you. As they run by you. It's about welcoming them and, and, and making a place for them and giving up your seat so that they could have a place to say, being here to welcome them and say, that is godliness. That's what we're called to, to be a welcoming congregation that looks for opportunities to give up my seat or my my parking space so that someone else could fill that space and be here. That's godliness. That's okay. Did I rebuke enough? All right. Because we have also encouragement. And I think on a day like today, I am so encouraged and so glad that I get to lead you all. That I get, you call me pastor, and that honors me. But I am so blessed to be able to see. I love what Andy Crouch says about churches. He says, churches are called to be countercultures for the common good. That's a good phrase right there. Countercultures for the common good. They lovingly show a different way of living in order to bless all around them. I think that sums up what Paul was saying to Titus in this letter to a leader. And I have seen this. I have witnessed this in the ways that you have faithfully given. You have given for international missions trip. You have given tithes and offering. You have showed that God just has been so generous and you want to to give back to God. You have... Uh, invited others, and we're going to continue to ask you to do that. We didn't. We decided we weren't going to rest on our goal. We were going to move forward, and we were going to invite 274 people here, new people here, and we're going to pray that God will help us to love them and let them know they belong. And you've done that. We blew by our goal of 180, so much so we had to up our goal for this year. And I have seen you inviting. And that's why I've seen your Facebook posts about being here and inviting someone to be here. I have seen you give sacrificially. I have seen you look and say, I'm going to do without so that I can give so that they can go 
on a mission trip or whatever. And God blessed, didn't he? We were able to leave money there and have seed money for the next trip. What a blessing that is. I'm excited about that. And I have seen it in your willingness to pour into other people's lives. I want to show you how this connects as we close. You know, what does that mean when a pastor says that? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) But as we close, you sacrificially gave so that you would send an international missions trip to work with refugees in Croatia. You gave, and, and I've already told you about how God allowed us to be frugal and leave some there for to bless them and, and to bring some home to bless somewhere else when God calls us to go. It'll be in a couple of years. If you're interested, you need to start listening and making sure you're ready to go. But coming back, God opened our eyes that there are refugees right here. And this blessing led to some of our people being ready to go. And this week, we got to go and hang out. And, and as a pastor, I got to sit back. And I got to watch people, you. I got to see Matt and Nicole and Mel and Chris. And, and uh, who else was there? Lori and I. And, and I got to see you pour into their lives. I got to see you... Just get to know them and, and do that. That is what Paul is talking about. That is the behavior of Jesus lived out. That is living in our culture, but to different values and devoted to a different God who gave everything to go and find the refugee, the one who is on the outside, and let them know they are loved and bring them on the inside. I have seen this. And so I want to end today by just encouraging you Say, I am seeing this. And let's pray that God will raise up more leaders who will begin to see this. That we would be a church that is known, who lives in our culture, that we love people, but we have different values. And we're devoted to a God who gave everything so that we might know Him and might love Him. And so let's do that. You and I, we are called to lead others to Jesus by our example, by our living our lives. So our question is, are you answering that call? It's still there. Titus wasn't just for Titus. That's why they included it in the Bible. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us together. If you haven't answered that call, will you? I think we're just going to end with that question ringing in our ears. Will you answer the call? Whether you're in the category of elder, male or female, younger, worker, child, guys, do you know as children you still have a role to lead? Do you know that, Connor, Cody? Do you guys in the youth, do you know you're called to lead by example in your schools? There's a place for you. Will you answer the call? to lead. You will need help, but the God who is faithful will supply your every need. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, we just want to say thank you for calling us. Thank you for raising up leaders to help us grow in our faith and knowledge of your graciousness. 
I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the leaders of the past. Wherever we entered in, it was because of your graciousness. Because of your faithfulness. And so we thank you. And ask you to come once again and help us to answer the call to say yes to allowing you to help us live in our culture with different values. Devoted to you. Relying on you to show and express the values of Jesus, the behaviors of Jesus in our very lives. Where we struggle, help us to be honest and just confess. Because we want to look like you. We want to model your generosity out into the world. And so we say thank you. Thank you for calling us. Challenge us, rebuke us when we look more like Zeus than we do like Jesus. Bring us back, shape us and mold us and send us out to love others in your name. Grow us as a church, not just in numbers, but in the depth of our devotion to you. For we pray and ask all of this in the name of the one who modeled what God is like, who did not grasp, but released and made himself a servant even to death. The name of Jesus Christ, the one who was raised, the one who is seated at God's right hand to send the Spirit to enable us to have the behaviors of Jesus in our lives. Call us, we pray, and send us out in His name. For we ask everything in His name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand? And I want to send you out with blessing and encouragement. We're going to let Pastor Kyle and Morgan head on back so they can find Owen. We want to give them food first. We want to let them uh, chow down before you start uh, saying my name is and hi and hello and all those things. But I hope you'll stay around. Get to know Kyle and Morgan. Say hello. Let them know you're praying for them and you want to bless them. In whatever way, thank you for providing food, for uh, packing their pantry and all those things. So thank you for doing that. But let me bless you. And now, may you live in your culture. But may you see the glory and goodness. May you receive eternal life by living the behaviors of Jesus out into your world. May you love others and see their faces brighten. May you include those who have been outcast. May you work with refugees. May you give sacrificially. May you bless those around you. May you live as countercultures for the common good as you bless those around you. I pray that you would go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Go in peace. Stick around and eat some food with us. It's going to be a great day. Thanks for being here. God bless you.